Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour as we'll dive all over the world in mixed martial arts and boxing. We have a lot to get into. UFC 216 last night. Fantastic co-main and main event. Great performances by the champs. We'll get to that. We'll get into some boxing news. We have an updated opponent for Deontay Wilder. Shannon Briggs continues his chase of Tyson Fury. Uh, we'll get into what, what, what the hell is going to be next for Conor McGregor now that we have an interim champion in his, uh, reigning division of 155. Where does he go from here? And we'll also talk to Chastity Martin, uh, local boxer, Pompano beach, uh, the queen of Pompano. She's going to step back in the ring, uh, trying to go to five and zero in a couple weeks at the war Memorial state, uh, war Memorial auditorium, excuse me. Um, and always enjoy talking to Chastity. We've been following her basically since, uh, she was 19 years old, trying to go to the Olympics, to a pro debut, to her first fight in Pompano. And now she's um, been inactive. She hasn't fought in about a year. So we'll get a chance to talk to her and see what she's been up to and what her plans are as far as the uh, next year's concern for her boxing career. So we'll start off last night, UFC 216. And this is interesting. You know, this is always an interesting thing with the UFC pay-per-view cards. This has been, I've I've dubbed it the cursed year for UFC because it just never seems like we can get a pay-per-view card and get everything we were told we were going to get, whether it's a weight-cutting issue, whether it's an injury, whether it's an illness. Something has managed to bleep this up. And we thought this was going to happen on the way in. So here's what goes down. Friday... I'm doing the show with Leroy. We're live from the the Seminole Hard Rock. And normally when it's on pay-per-view because of the early weigh-ins now, uh, they're always happening during our show. And it never fails that we're going to see somebody fail the weigh-in. And so it seemed like everything was fine. Everybody's rolling through. But, hey, Kevin Lee still hasn't shown up yet. And I'm just thinking, oh, no, I can't believe it. First of all, I couldn't believe this was going to happen to Tony Ferguson again. A second time he's trying to go for the center and belt. Somebody doesn't come to the scale. I, I, I'm, I'm losing it. I can't believe we're gonna, we're gonna miss out on this fight. He gets to the scale with a few minutes left. 156 doesn't get a grace period. Uh, has to be 155. There's no, there's no grace of an extra pound. Uh, title fight. So they give him an extra hour, and ends up going. I think he gets to about. He gets he gets to like 15 past the hour, whatever the next hour was, and he looks terrible getting on the scale, just completely drawn out. But he makes weight, makes 154 and a half pounds. We have a, we have a fight. It's on. 
But that's obviously concerning for Kevin Lee. When we were talking about this fight last week, young guy, um, not a lot of rounds in the bag. So you figure he's going up against a cardio wizard in Tony Ferguson as this fight's going to go on. That's going to be trouble if he doesn't get him out. So we get to fight night. Um, the the main event's on. The co-main event's on. But reports are coming out. Derek Lewis, he's out. He's not fighting Fabricio Verdum. Um, he has a back injury. He's talked about this. This was the thing that was uh, caused him to bring up retirement. You know, if you saw him in the Mark Hunt fight, uh, Derek Lewis was was stiff as a board, couldn't get in there. And so he's out. So we have Walt Harris step in for Mauricio Verdum. Not the worst. At least it's not one of the co-main or main events. At least Ray Borg's not ducking, ducking out again. At least Kevin Lee's healthy enough to get there. Um, so let's start off with, with the main event. Let's get, let's get to Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee. Uh, really, really interesting fight between these two. Tony is bringing the, you know, he's bringing his unorthodox striking. You know, he's, he's giving Kevin Lee all kinds of looks. Kevin Lee's a little bit more straight up hands up you know trying to to not get mesmerized by tony's hijinks uh ends up getting a takedown on him and you know they're pretty even i would say through the first couple minutes of the round tony's probably got the edge but then kevin gets a uh, gets a big takedown on him starts ground and pound gotta say you give that round to kevin lee so they go into round two more of a stand-up match. You know, you can see Kevin Lee, who also has staff. It's pointed out by Joe Rogan on his chest. So you know that he's not completely healthy. You know that he had a bad weight cut. But first round went okay for him. Second round happens. Second round goes okay for him. Um, pretty even. I gave the nod to Tony. They were they were, they were standing up. Um, I, th- I just thought Tony had the better strikes. But, but, but about as even a round as you could get between those two guys, but you could tell that Kevin Kevin Lee is starting to wear down. You could tell that the cardio is starting to get to him, that it, it's, it, it may just be a matter of time. You see him on the stool. Tony goes out for the third round. He's staring at him across the cage. He's pointing to the canvas. He's, he's going full El Kukui. He's going crazy on him. And this is where it gets, this is where it gets real bad for it. You know, the guys, again, uh, Tony hits him with this vicious elbow. You know, fakes the punch, follows through with the elbow, cuts right into Kevin Lee. Very, very damaging shot. But Kevin Lee, yet again, gets him down. But this is where it gets dangerous. You know, Tony Ferguson comes up with all kinds of unorthodox ways to submit you, locks in the triangle, has it not quite all the way in, Pulls down on his head, and Kevin Lee has to tap out. Tony Ferguson gets the belt. Uh, third round, submission, triangle choke. I think I saw on Twitter yesterday, it's only the second person to win a uh, win a championship fight with a triangle choke. The other was uh, infamously Anderson Silva beating Chael Son in the way he did in the fifth round. But what a performance by Tony Ferguson. He, uh, he fought a really, really good fight. Very even fight between these two. But as we were talking about last week, it just seemed like Tony Ferguson, um, he, I mean, he has, he's molded himself to be in that championship fight. He's really been in that kind of shape now for the better part of a year fully that he was going to be fighting a five-round fight, 
Maybe it was against Khabib. Maybe it was against Kevin Lee. Maybe it was against Conor McGregor. But he was going to be in that elite shape, and that's what he was in. He looked incredible. Nothing seemed to really phase him, even when he was, even when he was uh, on the bottom, and Kevin Lee was delivering vicious blows to him. He never really seemed like he was in too much danger. Um, and a great performance. So he gets there. He gives the call out to Conor McGregor afterwards. Uh, a lot of f bombs. Calls him McNugget, and. We'll see if that's the next one that happens. I hope that it is. I I hope that there's a sense of normalcy that's brought back a little bit to interim belts and money fights and all this stuff. You know, we talked about this last week of of the fact that you you can't get higher of a money fight than Conor got to. You can't can't escalate money Mayweather. He's mother bleeping money Mayweather. It doesn't get higher than that. The pay-per-view buys don't get higher than that. I don't care, you know, if he's fighting in a in a battle royale, um, Brock Lesnar and the Ghost of Kimbo Slice. It, it, it's not going to it's not going to outdo fighting Floyd Mayweather money wise for Conor McGregor. So why not come back and, and and just build your legacy off of beating all comers, beating everybody that's been put in front of you? Because honestly. That's what made him so popular. You know, one of the things that I wasn't happy with hearing from Connor last week where, you know, he's doing talk. And I understand it. Listen, this guy, this guy arguably was a big reason why the company sold for as much as it, it did. Um, he is he is a promotion machine, but I don't want him to ever forget that. That's what makes him special. It's not necessarily what Connor does in the ring, although that's fantastic. But what makes him special is his gift of gab his ability to cut his opponents verbally, mentally, and, you know, the fact that we were made, like, Connor's like, I'll fight in December, but only if I have to show up for the way. And it's like, ah, you know, that that's losing out on half of the McGregor show. You know, the McGregor show is the traveling circus. It's it's world tours with, with Money Mayweather. It's, it's other countries and cities wanting to hear you cut your next promo. So the idea that it was going to be, ah, kind of half of McGregor kind of bummed me out. But I really think that, you know, his next level of greatness, whatever it is for McGregor, it has to start with just coming back and defending your belt. You know, he hasn't he hasn't done it yet. He he beat Jose Aldo and then he went up. And then we know the uh the the roller coaster that was the Nate Diaz fights and what it ended up with being with the Eddie Alvarez fight. But he hasn't defended his belt yet. And I and I do think that there is some honor in that. You know, he mentioned that with uh, this last Q&A that he did. And I think this is a fun fight. I think that's another thing. I think I think Tony Ferguson's a great dance partner for him. Um, I think it's something fresh. And I, I think that these guys can go at each other. I think that they'll both do, great, do a great job of it. And I think this makes for a fascinating fight. I do think that Tony Ferguson has some things that really present Conor McGregor some serious problems. His gas tank, his chin is iron, his unorthodox submissions. There's a lot of things there with a fight with Conor McGregor that just very that it just very much intrigues me. And look, if if it ends up being the Nate Diaz fight, the trilogy, fine. Uh, I don't. I, I'm I'm not going to not watch. I'm not I'm not going to have some principled stance where I'm going to say I'm not watching. I'm purist and Tony deserves the shot. No. But one of the things that I think you could see is all right, Nate Diaz, where's he been? 
you know, like there's been all this time where Conor McGregor has been gone and he's off doing boxing. And I really think that, you know, they talked about the star power rub that Nate Diaz had and it's like, all right, but he didn't take the ball. He didn't run with it. He didn't, he didn't take this opportunity with Conor gone. It doesn't feel like anybody's really taken the opportunity with Conor out. Um, to be that face of the company other than John Jones who had his fantastic moment but obviously has outside the cage issues yet again um but for these young guys uh, uh the, the these new budding potential stars I really think that um I really think there was a there was a lost chance there for Nate Diaz to go in there and fight a Tony Ferguson and and make his claim to all right you weren't just the late stand-in guy. You weren't just the guy who was tough and beat Connor. You weren't just uh, this 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 one this one trick pony. Like you definitely deserve to be at the top of the division. And so, I think to me, you know, Tony's won now ten fights in a row. He he has the interim strap. I I don't really think there's much of an argument uh, that can be made against him getting the title shot, other than you want to say pay per view buys. But again. How much higher are you going to get than the heights you've been to as Conor McGregor? Are you going to are you are you going to crack four point four million that you did with Floyd Mayweather? No, I don't care if you're fighting Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz at the same time. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. So why not fight the guy who's deserving? Why not fight the guy who's earned his way? Conor McGregor's return to the UFC is going to be a monster fight. No matter what, he could be in there fighting a bunny rabbit. It's going to do a million pay-per-view buys. So, to me, I think this is a chance for McGregor, who does swing a big stick, who has a lot of wielding of power in this fight promotion. To me, I think he fights uh, He t- fights Tony Ferguson, returns the balance. We can stop this nonsense of interim belts getting handed out and then another, other fights happening, a la Michael Bisbing, and GSP fighting each other for a belt when there's another fighter in Robert Whitaker who has an interim belt. And they say he's injured, but I haven't seen an MRI or anything to indicate that he really is injured or if they're just paying him to go away. Seriously, has anybody ever, have we heard from Robert Whitaker? Hey, I'm injured. I can't fight. Hey, Robert Whitaker, uh, here, here's the MRI of his knee that's busted up. I haven't seen it. I think Dana White's just like, listen, I bleeped up. And you, you know, I, I needed a title fight. I made you versus Yoel, and you get your shot, or you maybe just becoming the outright 185 champion. That's probably what's going to end up happening. But for now, uh, just go away. That's what it feels like. Go take your flight to New Zealand, and we'll we'll see you when we see you. Where the hell is Robert Whitaker? It, it it's crazy. They tell me he's injured, but where 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 the hell is? Where, where, are the, where are the quotes from him? Where are the, the, the sourced material? I don't know where he is. Like, you're telling me if Robert Whitaker came out right now and he said, oh, I'm 100% healthy, are you still, still going to get that title fight? No way. That was set in stone. Dana White even made a fake argument against it for, for Tyron Woodley. Poor Tyron Woodley got, got lit up with, with, with just napalm from Dana White over not Tyron Woodley. How dare you? How dare you go into a fight and and not get choked out by Damian Maya. Now I got to make up a new excuse on why GSP can't fight you. You know, it's it's weird. Like, I, I just want the UFC to just get back to a little bit of a, a right chain of command. Um, And defend your belt 
I want Connor to defend his belt against Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson earned it. None of this could be. Khabib can kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. You know, Khabib was offered this Tony fight in November. He said, nah, let's do December. It's always something with Khabib. Always, always. And you never know if he's going to make weight. You never know uh, what the excuse is. I- I'm done with Khabib. I- I- seriously, man. Like, every single time, it's like, it- it's a it's a different type of, uh, it- it's a different excuse. It's a different injury. It's a different this. It's a different that. And it's fu- nobody's trying to, to erase Khabib's greatness. He has a fantastic record. But Christ, he never fights. Tony fights. Tony fights, man. He he's always in there, and the only reason he wasn't in there is because Khabib got it, got got damn, uh, you know, weight issues, and so had to finally wait for for something to to open up in this division. But you know, ten wins in a row, winning the interim title, doing it the way he does it with 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 fantastic submissions and crazy tactics in the octagon. I, I just don't think that can be denied. And I, I, I think it's, if you want to go on it with merit, last time we saw Nate Diaz, him and Connor, yeah, they're one and one. But Nate Diaz's last fight is a loss to Connor McGregor. And this is for a 155 pound title. It's not for 170, it's not for some gimmick. And right now, the 155 interim title is Tony Ferguson. And he deserves that shot. He's earned that shot. And quite frankly, I'm looking forward to that fight more than I would Connor versus Nate three right now. I really want to see those two go at it. Go at it. I really think I think Tony presents some problems. Um, I, I I think he has he he causes some matchup issues for Connor. I think there's more cardio things that can be argued that that Tony brings to the table. I really really like that fight. Uh, I'm not saying Connor can't win because Connor's fantastic, and every time he steps into the octagon, it seemingly is. He, he, he's going up there against a guy who is unbreakable, super tough, and he puts him on his ass. But Tony Ferguson comes in there with, with, a, with, a, with a certain set of weapons that uh, Connor has not seen. Um, he, he's a little bit wilder than Nate Diaz. He's a little bit more well-rounded than Nate Diaz. Um, not as big as Nate Diaz, so that's, that's something where you can say, all right, well, it's not like Connor's going to be in there against somebody 190 pounds. That's certainly true. But here's another thing. If you're looking at the Tony Connor matchup, and I don't think this can be undersold, Connor has spent what has now been the last year and a half training for boxing. And he has not been in the, the gym training mixed martial arts. You know, he's off enjoying his riches that are well deserved. That time off and that time away from the octagon, I think, is huge. Now maybe he's maybe he's freak like John Jones, and it doesn't matter, and he can walk in after two years off and and still dust people. Maybe he can. I mean, John had a little help, but maybe Connor can do that. Um, but I do think that's another check for for Tony. And as far as if you're looking for trouble in that matchup, he he presents a lot of issues. We got into uh, the co-main event: Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He breaks Anderson Silva's record. He does it in fantastic fashion. Where does he stand in the GOAT status? We'll get into that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We'll take you up until around 10 o'clock at the Aqua and Orange pregame show. Coming up after us today, UFC 216 last night. 
Tony Ferguson is your new interim lightweight champion of the world. But a person who now has heard the words and still more than anybody in UFC history is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He gets his arm raised yesterday with his win over Ray Borg. A sensational, sensational armbar in the fifth round. And listen, we've had many a debates here about Mighty Mouse. Why isn't he a draw? Why don't people? Why aren't people into it, watching him? Tommy Guns. I just I can't get into it. I can't get into the little guys fighting. Um, I've I've turned the page on Mighty Mouse as far as watchability. I think he's fantastic with some of the things that he's been able to pull off. You know his late submission of William Hayes. You know his 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 just demolition of Henry Cejudo. Um. He's he is a finisher now, you know. Ever since, really, you look back to to that Joe Benavidez fight a few years back. I mean, he's he's finished more fights than he has let go to the judges, and you know, there's been drama in it too. You know, even if it took getting Tim Elliott back in the UFC with that ultimate fighter, Tim Elliott had a moment of danger, um, and and then Mighty Mouse was able to shake it off. Yesterday was. Just it, yesterday was was student teacher stuff with Ray Borg. Ray Borg didn't look uh, up to snuff as far as being ready to face Mighty Mouse, but the move he pulled to finish off this fight—if you guys haven't seen it yet—it's up on my Instagram uh, at Brendan underscore Tobin. The move that he pulls off, where he he basically bucks Ray Borg into the air, a guy at the same weight as him, bucks him into the air latches on to his arm like like a like a dog on a pork chop and just just twists it until Rayborg has to have Rayborg props to him man like he was doing everything he could to stay in there with Mighty Mouse and not tap but he had to I mean what are you gonna what is Mighty Mouse gonna have to snap his arm off um he does put he I mean he is putting some stuff into that cage where you 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 go in there and you say, man, whoa, he he really has stepped up his level. And a lot of the criticisms that he got were that he wasn't a finisher, that he was that he was you know these these fights they always go the distance, nobody can end each other in one twenty five. I I think that stigma's gone with Mighty Mouse. I mean, he goes in there and he looks to finish fights. Um, maybe it's a cerebral breakdown. Maybe it's until the guy just can't take anymore, but. I find him enjoyable. I find him enjoyable. I I don't think, I don't think Mighty Mouse is ever going to be any kind of a big pay per view draw. I think that that ship has probably sailed for now, and I do think the only way he can do it is by going up in weight. And there was this discussion we talked about this last week of, you know, Cody Garbrandt saying that after he beats TJ Dillashaw, he wants to go down in weight, and and TJ, of course, there was a the talk of him wanting to fight uh, Mighty Mouse and going down in weight. I still think that 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 TJ Dillashaw going down a weight was nonsense. You know, I think that was another thing where, you know, Dana was trying to put something out. He was trying to save his his guy there and, and TJ, but that's another thing. Kind of like the Robert Whitaker where it just goes away a little too quietly and all of a sudden Mighty Mouse, we're going from shutting the flyweight division down to I don't know, you can fight who you wanted to fight in the first place and TJ's just gonna do I don't think I don't think TJ Dillashaw could have made one twenty five. I don't believe he could have. He never been there. I think he tried. And I think as soon as he got whiff of Cody Garbrandt was going to be ready, he stopped that nonsense. I don't think he could have made it to 125. I couldn't get that confirmation. Like we had, uh, we talked to Mighty Mouse um, Mayweather McGregor fight week, and he wouldn't confirm that. 
with me, but that's just my theory. I, I just think it went away a little too easy. Here's the other thing. I'm not into the bantamweight champs going down. I'm not into guys going down to collect belts. I'm into guys going up to collect belts. I'm into Connor going to 155 to collect belts. I'm into Connor then going to 170 to go get belts. I'm not into Connor saying, hey, you know what? I want to go down and get the 135 belt. It does nothing for me. I, I, I just is like, all right, you're going to strain yourself. We know the weight cutting is going to be a bastard. And all right, you beat a naturally smaller person. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me. What I would love to see, and this is getting to the debate of where Demetrius is going to stand all time. I don't think a lot of people, you know, Joe Rogan flip flops on the goat status a lot, and I love Joe Rogan, but he does. Like it's it goes from from John to to Mighty Mouse to John to Mighty Mouse. Is it G- maybe it's GSP when? You know, GSP fights and beats Michael Bisbing and gets another belt. Um, but I, I don't think it can be ignored from Mighty Mouse's perspective that, yeah, he's fighting in a thinner division. You know, he's ru- ran roughshod over a lot of guys who probably either weren't ready, uh, guys that had to go back and get, um, you know, but beating up on guys like Ray Borg, Henry Cejudo, as impressive. The reason you give him credit is because he beat him as impressively as he did you know the level between him and the young guys was vast um you know but beating rivals like john dodson and and joseph benavidez you know like it's it's not quite the same as john jones beating daniel cormier now you also have to get into the debate of well where do you go with john and his drug test problems the fact that john looks like He's been helped by performance-enhancing drugs probably a good amount in his career. Um, we can't say that for sure, We, don't, you know, but he has many a positive test in the USADA era. Um, and so does that come into your debate? I'm one of these people where I have a hard time... I have a hard time going out and taking away accomplishments because of positive drug tests because I don't know who's clean. I don't know what the landscape is. I'm not a professional fighter. I don't really live in that world. I don't know. I don't know. So a lot of times for me, I got to go by what I see in the cage. And what I see in the cage is John Jones is the greatest fighter I've ever seen. And did he at one point in his career have help? Was he having help his entire career? I don't know. Um... We know at some point, yeah, he probably was. Does that take away? Uh, it did take him away. It did take away his belt. It does make him inactive. So the fact that he's not in there and he's not fighting more people and that John Jones, we're not going to see the next move to heavyweight. I think that definitely has to be in the argument. Um, but I don't think it takes away. Now, let's say, does this? but does this mean it's an argument ender? Does it mean that Demetrius could never be in this conversation. He now has the record for most title defenses. If he were, instead of Cody and TJ going down to 125, if DJ were to go up to 135 to face whoever won that fight at Madison Square Garden, and he beats them, one of those two guys, I think then you can, then I think his argument against John 
um, is is very, very strong. It's much, much stronger. But I do think that he needs to take that leap and get to 135 to be more in the conversation. Where is he now? Probably top five all time with the accomplishments, with the purity of, of his run. Um, yeah, I think you could put him top five. But I think I, I do think he's got a window here to actually be at the top, but he's got to move. He's got to go up. He, he, he got your record, and accomplishments are very, very important in this sport. You know, people will look back on those record books. You know, Connor winning two belts is important. Uh, you know, John being the youngest champion at one point was important. Those little accolades are important. That that whatever they can read off, whatever Bruce Buffer says to people, that stuff is important. But now that you got it, now that now that you put in this time and you put in this investment, let's not go and say, all right, here's our options. You can fight Sergio Pettis or you can go up and you can fight Cody Garbrandt. Or you can fight TJ Dillashaw. Go up and do it. None of them coming down. Cause I'm not interested in, 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 in the in the bigger guys coming down. I know what you can do in 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 that world. I want to see what DJ can do back at 135. I want to see a little bit of redemption. I want to see him make good on that that old belt loss to, to Dominic Cruz. I want to see this Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the guy we see pull off moves that we haven't seen. I'd love to see what he can do against those two guys. I'd love it. Two excellent, two of the best strikers we got right now in Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw to see what Mighty Mouse and his speed can do, what he can do in the transition game. Could he get a submission against them? I'd love to see that. I think it'd be fantastic. We got to do a little bit of boxing coming up. Uh, we are going to talk to Chastity Martin, the Queen of Pompano, plus Deontay Wilder as a new opponent. Shannon Briggs continues his hunt of Tyson Fury. That's next on Fighters Fury. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Very excited to be joined by our next guest. She is the Queen of Pompano, Chastity Martin. We've been following her career since... Since the uh, the Olympic dreams, since the pro career started up before your last fight in Pompano Chastity, uh, it's been fun following the journey and and seeing you you grow up in the in your boxing career. You're gonna be fighting Thursday, October 19th at the War Memorial Stadium. Um, you haven't fought since last November. What what is uh, what has the time been like outside the ring? Yeah, I have not fought since last November. Um, the time outside of the ring has been it's been a um. Uh, I won't. I won't even use the word bittersweet, but it's been a. It's been a um uh, a good experience and uh, an experience that I, I I wasn't very used to. However, you know, I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of things while on not really. I would say a break, but the experience. You know, and I took my life to a different phase, a different level, and I'm happy that I did. So I'm ready to um. And so this year, we're—I think I read that you were—you were doing the Police Academy uh, in in, a, in an interview a little bit back, and I, I see on Instagram with the BSR. Are you in the process of becoming a police officer? Um, I'm in the process of doing um, a couple of things with them, as far as the uh, police—the policing uh, right now. I've decided to take another path with um, my career, so that has kind of been put on pause. However, it's still things in the process being done with them as far as work. And that has, you know, a little bit more to do with my boxing than policing at the moment. So what are you doing? What's the connection going to be? Well, um, I'll, I'll most likely be uh, working with the youth, working with the youth and, um, you know, 
possibly be helping build a, a boxing program wow. within the agency. Yeah, I remember last time we talked, you were you were talking about that that importance to to kind of draw that bridge between the, the community and, and, and police officers. Is that yeah. that's still a cause that's very important to you? Yes, most definitely. Most of, that's actually um the main cause that I'm uh, that I that I'll be presenting which would probably within a couple of months, you know, I've always found that a little bit more important and you know, I think policing was just one of the ways that I felt that if I could uh reach out to the community in a different way. But, of course, God presented me another opportunity to do so and had something to do with the field that I'm in. So I'm more I'm more excited about that than anything. Well, so are you planning this year to be to be more active in the ring? What is your goal boxing-wise over the next 12 months? What do you want to do? Well, I most definitely will be more active. I'll probably be fighting a good mm, – probably a good four more times. Wow. I have a date lined up. November 21st, possibly televised, and that would be a pretty big deal. So, you know, I have a lot of things coming up. I have a lot of great opportunities that boxing has presented. So you'll see me being very active and definitely going to another level in the boxing. Well, that's 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 great to hear. The last time you were in the ring, you got that opportunity to to fight in your hometown of Pompano. What was that like? (laughs) Did it live up to expectations? Uh, Was was it uh, everything you thought it would be? It was great. It was great. It was everything I thought it would be, and a little bit more. However, um, you know, I could, I still, I'm still going to come back to my hometown and fight for the title. You know, something that I always dreamed about. You know, and as a matter of fact, I want to give my hometown a knockout. So that's the only thing that I was missing, as far as the, as far as the support that I had here, and as far as everyone coming out and my family and just actually putting on a show for people who've been following me for the past years it was a great experience you know and I, I love every minute of it so that's something you know that's something that I've always dreamed about doing and you know your your life only goes as far as your imagination imaginations and dreams you know it's a great opportunity we're talking to Chassie Martin the queen of Pompano you guys can see her in action Thursday October 19th she can be fighting at Fort Lauderdale War Memorial Stadium you guys can get tickets ticketmaster.com if you want to see her in action she looks to go Five and zero. Oh. So you talk about that knockout in your hometown. Is that what you are you're working on in the gym now? Or are you going to try and get that finish for this next opponent? Most definitely. I'm most definitely. It's not one of my main focuses, but it's definitely something that I predict is definitely going to happen with the new, not with just the new chastity, but just with you know how I've been um, how I've been training and doing everything and certain things that I've been setting up and new techniques that we've been working on. So. I'm most definitely going for the knockout. I nine times out of ten see myself getting it, you know. And other than that, I'm definitely going to put on a great show. I know I'm going to be the best, best uh, fight on the card. You know, it's not, it's, it hasn't been a fight card that I haven't been that. You know, so I'm ready to go. I'm excited, and I know I'm going to put on a great show. Uh, Chassie, a couple more before we get you out of here. I was curious about a quote that you had posted on your social media. You said, I'm here to send a message. Boxing is just a vehicle chosen to gain the ear of the people. What did you mean by that? When I say I'm here to send a that means I'm here to send a message, not even not just to the youth, but people in general, on how to understand the process of doing whatever it is that you're doing. And what people fail to understand is they aren't taught the process. And when you're not taught the process of things and when you don't know that it is a road that you have to travel on certain on journeys, journeys, whatever it is, whether you're boxing, whether you're whatever you're doing, whether you're baking cakes, it doesn't really matter. So 
when I say send the messages, let people see the process, let people see the struggles, let people learn the lessons, and let people know that it is a process, the process is worth it, and you have to trust it. But we don't have a lot of athletes these days that share that process, so it makes things look very contradicting. And when you're going through the sacrifices and you're going through the hard times, they really don't have a lot of them to look up to to say, well, I went through that or I went through this or to sometimes not tell them exactly what to expect because everybody's storyline is different. However, be that light to the community and the young girls that people can look at and see, hey, you know what? It may not be her exact story, but she did go through something. You understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you I mean, you've been through, uh, it sounds, I know in the many times that we've talked that you've done a lot of adjusting where the goals shift and then you gotta, you got to learn to adjust and appreciate where life Most is taking you. And, and wherever you are at the moment, because wherever you are at the moment, is it's a product of your decisions. And if you don't like where you are at the moment, then, you know, it's, up, it's always up to us to change something. So, you know, we have choices every day. We're presented the same 24 hours and the same opportunity. But, you know, I'm the queen that has a lot more meaning. You know, my queening has a lot more meaning. So the message that I'm trying to send, trust your energy. Trust, trust your vibes. You know, trust, trust that you're around the, well, not trust that you're around the, the, um, the right people all the time. But, you know, learn how to observe your surroundings. Learn how to observe the energy that is around you because it affects where you're going. You know, and that's the main message I try to get out to people because that's most definitely one of the problems that we have in today's world. She's Chastity Martin. She's the queen of Pompano. Go see one of South Florida's own in action Thursday, October 19th at War Memorial Stadium. You guys get tickets, Ticketmaster.com. I always enjoy our conversations, Chastity. Thank you for the time, and we look forward to seeing you in the ring. Thank you. I always enjoy talking to Chastity Martin. War Memorial Auditorium, by the way. I never get that right. But October 19th, it's, an, uh, it's, it's not this upcoming Thursday, the Thursday after. October 19th, you guys can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, always enjoy talking to the young fighters. Um, that journey's interesting, man. That, oh, that, that, that uh, People who decide to do this for a living, why do they decide to do it for a living? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild, wild decision. And it, a lot of the times, it's, it's different. A lot of different reasons to why they take that path. So we're wishing her the best of luck to go to 5-0 and in South Florida. we got the Aquan Orange pregame show coming up before we get out of here. A couple of boxing notes I want to get into um, since we are on the subject of the sweet science. Deontay Wilder this past week the decided Showtime Boxing is going to go on with Deontay Wilder on the November 4th card. But he is going to be fighting Bermain Stavern. Um, they will be rematching. That's where – that is where – Deontay Wilder originally won his belt beating Stavern, so those two will be back in a ring with one another. I think Deontay should handle that fight uh, okay. I think Stavern might be the only guy who went the distance with Deontay uh, in their careers. So he's a very durable guy. Hasn't also been very active since that fight. Um, so I, I don't know if we're going to see a lot different from Bermain. Um but it's uh yeah that's the that was that fight was two years ago so yeah they uh, they redo that Luis Ortiz is positive test so they weren't able to do that and that's what we got with that and then as far as the other heavyweight picture we got going on Deontay came out this week and he was talking about um 
Anthony Joshua being afraid to fight him is people saying they don't want him to fight till he's tw- till uh, at least 2020. Uh, and at that point, Deontay would be like 36. So they think that he's trying to duck. And he has thrown out there that either he's scared or he's doping because Deontay's last three opponents have popped for PEDs. Um, so I'll be interested to hear what Anthony Joshua has to say in a response to that. You know, Anthony is kind of the golden boy right now, the heavyweight division, even though we're not getting that Klitschko rematch. Klitschko's done fighting. So you lost that opportunity to not get that that bout. And I think the big one everybody wants to know is what the hell is going to go on with Tyson Fury? Like, what is this, uh, what is this next chapter going to be for the stripped former lineal heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. Where the hell is he hiding? I know Shannon Briggs is back out. That's his next target. He has moved on from uh, from target to target. The next guy he's going after is old Deontay Wilder. Does that mean he's going to roll up into London, knock at every gypsy caravan, and find out who the hell he is, where the hell he is? I don't know. But uh, I think Shannon's suspension is up in November November 14th, I think is when he's when he's clear to go. If they can make that fight happen, I'm all for that. Those two guys are bleep talkers to the next degree. Um, the fight promotion between Shannon Briggs and Tyson Fury would be incredible. And I do actually think that's a smart fight for, for Tyson Fury. If you want to talk about being off the layoff that he's had, go and, and, and try your stuff up, get yourself loose, see if you can beat Shannon Briggs. And then if you, get, if you do get past him, then take on two guys who have been more active in Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in their primes and see if he can get back into that title picture. Um, but the, the, the big question is going to be is, will we see Wilder and Anthony Joshua fight fight each other anytime soon? Like this talk of Anthony Joshua fighting Deontay Wilder in 2020, I don't know what other matchups he thinks he's got, um, but he is already falling into that that realm of, hey, I'm going to go fight the, the – I'm going to go fight – a, a fighter not as many people care about and man this this heavyweight division like it it, it it had it was at a point where it was sky high with momentum and now we're at a point again where you can teeter you could fall off and people don't give a rat's ass about it anymore so i would just heed caution if i was anthony joshua with taking too many fights that nobody cares about um and if if deontay and anthony i don't think either one of them would lose an ilk of respect if Deontay Wilder came out on top. If Anthony Joshua came out on top, I think it would only make people crave seeing that fight again. Much like Triple G versus Canelo. Nobody, nobody, I mean, it was a sketchy decision that I give you. But nobody lost respect for either guy for what they put forth in the ring. Everybody thought it was a fantastic fight. Everybody wants to see him fight again. So this idea that the young guy is getting in there and they're going to go and fight great competition, you're going to be bothered by it? It's just not the case. You know, people want to see the best fight the best. They don't want to see what they deem a a lopsided competition. People are too smart for that these days. We got the internet. It's not like back in the day when when uh, you'd, you'd, you'd throw a guy down in Mexico, you'd, you'd have him fight, you know, 20 tomato cans to boost up that record. You, you, don't, you don't have the records like you do these days. Now everything's on the internet. Can't lie. It's all on YouTube. Can't fool people anymore. Next week, we got a uh, triple header on Showtime. Ares Landy Lara taking on Terrell Gausha. I, I think Ares Landy Lara gets the win in that. Very much looking forward to Jamel Charlo versus Erickson Lubin. Erickson Lubin, Fighters Fury alum. Uh, we talked to him last month as he was leading up to this fight uh, with his with his fist, Jack, and Sledge. Uh, I, I I really, really like this fight. Erickson Lubin is really young, though. 21 years old, fighting Jamel Charlo. 
undefeated. It's a lot they're putting on Erickson Lubin in this fight. Um, I, I, but, but I'm telling you, I think that's going to make for a fantastic, a fantastic bout next week. And Jared Hurd taking on Austin Trout. Uh, Austin Trout getting back in action as uh, you know a guy who was once at the mix uh, atop his division is you know 31 now, but trying to get back into that picture. So that's a fun, fun fight card coming up next week in Showtime. We'll have a full recap of that. Uh, and if you guys miss any of the show, you can download the podcast. You got the Aquan Orange pregame show coming up. DJ Williams, Greg Likens, they will get you ready for Dolphins Titans. It's finally the home opener. The Dolphins finally playing a home game. Unbelievable. It's been two months. Can't believe it. What a wild thing this NFL is. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Same time, same place. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.